0: Welcome to another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, uh, recording from Atlanta, Georgia, joined by Miami's finest, Rob Cassidy. Rob, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well. I'm recording this from the inside of a hotel room, actually, because my townhome, uh, the neighbors have termites, and they've put a tent over my house, and so I am sitting at Marriott
0: in Miami. Well, boys, if we don't spend enough time in hotels already... Uh, but, but you're getting some bonus points anyway, right? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I've used
1: some of mine, but uh, you know, I've used up on one night, and then I'm collecting points on the next night. But you have a way of looking at the bright side of things, don't you, man?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, especially when it comes to free stuff. So um, now let's let's get into some talk about uh, one of the biggest topics, I guess, in the college football world this week: Michigan uh, down at IMG, a place that you and I frequent uh, during the off season. You, of course, during the season as well. Uh, you had a chance to catch up with some uh, prospects and talk about it, and I guess I guess you know kind of give us a, an overview of why you think Michigan made the decision to come down there and, and hold spring practice.
1: Well, I think at least partially, you know, it's to these practices aren't being held in a vacuum. I think people need to realize that. I mean, this isn't necessarily going to result in Michigan getting every kid they want from Florida, but it's part of a larger uh, approach that I think they've taken to put extra emphasis. Uh, you know, on the state and on the players from the state. Uh, I had a chance to talk to some players. I had a chance to talk to Michigan's compliance director. You know, I talked to a lot of people writing this story, which will be on Rivals.com now, the day that you're listening to this. Uh, you know, I filed it just, just today. Uh, but as soon as this podcast reaches people, it'll be on the front page of the site. There are rules, stringent rules, in place for this thing. Uh, There's allowed to be no contact between IMG players or high school players of any kind and the Michigan staff. Uh, Only one of these practices of the four that they're holding this week is actually open, and that's Friday's practice. Uh, But even then, they're not allowed to talk to players. There is no bump rule even. They can't even say hello if they pass them on campus. Uh, So that's out of play as well. So it's really become... I think what people think, you know, it's been sensationalized a little bit in the media where people think that, you know, here's this no-holds-barred assault that Michigan's going to have on Florida talent, when it's really not. You know, I don't even know that many kids from outside of IMG that are planning on attending Friday's practice. Uh, you know, there's really no reason for them to, but I think it does help Michigan in the way that it is part of that larger strategy. You know, they've gone out... and done such good work in Florida, they've hired a state championship winning football coach and Devin Bush Jr. now to be a, or Devin Bush Sr. to be a defensive analyst. Uh, so when you view it as one thing, I'm not sure it's going to have a large effect on Michigan recruiting, uh, but when you view it in the bigger picture, I think that's when uh, that's when you can really kind of see there might be fruits to this labor.
0: Yeah, it was interesting that they have those rules in place because I believe uh, when prospects visit campuses for spring practices, they can interact. So I guess just because this is at a remote location, that's why they have that rule in place?
1: Yeah, I talked to the Michigan compliance director, said that because it's a quiet period, there's allowed to be no on-campus contact. So right now, you can't go to a school's campus uh, and contact, and talk to a student-athlete there. Okay, uh, so and that's kind of what's in play here at IMG. I think that if it was on Michigan's campus, they'd be able to have contact. But since the practices are on IMG's campus, uh, contact is outlawed.
0: Uh, Very interesting. So, yeah, like you said, I mean, you know, uh, the prospects at IMG are from all over the country. You know, this is a a school where kids come to basically, you know, kind of get that college experience before they go to college. It's basically football around the clock. So, um, you know, I'm I'm sure there are they staying on site? I mean, they have dorms there at IMG. I'd imagine that's where that's where they're staying, right?
1: Yeah, I believe that they're staying there in the uh, what do they call them? Villas at IMG. Uh, but you know, right. most of those practices are closed off. Uh, people there say there's very little Michigan signage. If you didn't know that Michigan was practicing there, I mean, you could pull in the parking lot. and Never know. It's not <laughs> like they have big banners up and the end zones are painted.
0: Yeah. So well, it's it's pretty interesting the whole the whole event. I mean, it's just another uh, notch in the old Jim Harbaugh uh, publicity tour or whatever. I mean, we've seen him, we, we've seen him do all kinds of crazy stuff. I think you and I are kind of a fan of, of it, especially if it makes people mad um i just I just wonder you know what are the results we 're going to see is it does does it put Does it end up putting more pressure on the team to have success on the field because he 's kind of you know making himself such a big personality?
1: Yeah, I think definitely. I mean, I think there's definitely some subset of reporters and certainly fans that are hoping for him to fail so they can jump all over him. Um, that's, I mean, that's certainly happening, right? I mean, that's just how the world works, how the media works, how fans work, opposing fans work. Is you know, the louder you are about something, uh, the louder they'll become if you fail.
0: So we were just bo- – or I was just down in Florida. We did the old double dip. Excuse me, between the uh, Orlando and Miami rivals camp series events, but you know it's the start of camp season. It's in full swing. I mean, every weekend uh, uh, we're having a camp event. Uh, you know, there are other other companies are having events as well. So I guess I guess we should kind of introduce people to what camp season is and what what goes on. I mean, they're called camps, even though they they don't take place overnight. No one, there's no sleeping bags involved or anything like that. Um, and basically. You know, we bring in, especially at the Rivals Camp Series, uh, which is presented by Under Armour, we bring in, you know, 180 kids from whatever city or whatever region we're in and uh, kind of just let them compete. I mean, we have, you know, former NFL coaches, former college coaches out there uh, running the camp, putting the the players through all kinds of drills, and then there's a competition period where they go one-on-one. So, um, you know, Rob, what's what's kind of been your take? I know you and I both really weren't familiar with this at all before – before we got into the biz, so, you know, what's been your take on these events, kind of, now that uh, we've been in it for a while? Well, you know, and they differ. Camps like,
1: you know, ours, uh, the Rivals Camp Series, and even, you know, the Nike Opening Regionals, to to be real honest, I don't know if I'll get my hand slapped for promoting them, are camps that are kind of, you know, beneficial for everybody, I think. You know, the people that get to cover them, get a good look at these prospects going up against Mm -hmm. other elite prospects. Nobody's being charged. It's all free for the athlete. And the athletes get, you know, A, free gear and B, a chance to get coached by some pretty good coaches that have coached, you know, on the college level and at the NFL level in most cases. Uh, So it seems like it seems to benefit everybody. You know, it's not like one group exploiting the other group by any means here. Uh, You know, I've got my own theory on camps that charge players to participate, um, depending on, uh, you know, where they are. But, uh, you know, these two are not like that. And I think they're probably the two most beneficial. And I assume you would agree with that, right?
0: Yeah, you know there are a lot of camps that charge, and I'm like I said, I'm not a, a big fan of that either. Some of them, you know, charge a small amount to offset the uh, the cost of the facilities and things like that if they don't have sponsorships. But you know, I often tell players, you know, if you have multiple offers already, there's definitely no reason you should ever pay to go to a camp. I mean, that shouldn't just shouldn't be in the cards. So, um, the, and there are camps that are are pure, you know, I guess we would call them money grabs. I mean, where you're talking about uh 75 bucks a pop to go and then they take as many kids as they want you know 400 500 kids so you know they promise exposure they don't give out and they they don't give out rosters so even if you do well and find a way to stand out it's it's often hard to identify from a from a media standpoint or from an exposure standpoint so it it's interesting it's something that people just kind of have to learn on the fly because a lot of these parents or and players are only in the recruiting window for a year or two from the time they maybe get invited to these events to the time when they're, getting offers and making a college decision. So, Yeah, um, it's like you pointed out. That, you
1: and I had no idea before we got into covering recruiting You know, what five, six years ago that this was such a big deal. I had no idea that people covered these things even until I started covering them. So I can't imagine what it would be like as a parent <laughs> to not know. I mean, you want to talk about somebody that's ripe to be exploited, uh, parents of recruits here. I mean, and I think that does unfortunately happen to them a little bit because they're not familiar with the process. They're not familiar with how things work, and they've got a million other people telling them. Uh, you know, your kid can get into college if you give me eighty dollars, which is, you know, terrible. But you know, it's something that happens.
0: Yeah, that is a it is a tough angle, and you know, we get we get criticized sometimes when the rankings come out that, you know, you only rank guys high who go to your camps, and, and some kids can't afford it, and there, there's definitely circumstances where you know people have transportation issues and stuff like that and obviously we do our best to help everyone get there and kind of put them in locations to where people can get there so uh the, the biggest thing is the camps are free they're free to attend and uh you know we, a, a player's not going to get dropped in the rankings because he didn't come to an event now is a player going to go up during the off season who doesn't do any off season events of course not because what would have changed you know regarding his status there's no new film and if he hasn't been to any events how do you change his ranking, you know? It's so. particularly hard for
1: big men, we should point out, because, you know, at least in our area, there's so much seven-on-seven seven that you see these guys at seven-on-seven seven events constantly, you know? I mean, whether there's a tournament in Miami or Atlanta or Nashville or Knoxville or, you know, you and I make our rounds and see... I probably see wide receivers, defensive backs, linebackers, running backs, and quarterbacks every weekend at something. Uh, but, you know, there is a shortage of events for uh, for linemen, and I think those are the guys that kind of go... Tend to go under the radar at least in our region because they 're just not out there as often you have to see them on film and you have to see them on Friday nights and at the very rare camp uh, like the rivals camp or the Nike opening, where there are big men involved
0: yeah so we 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 went down we were in Florida, uh, you know we started in orlando we had a we had a really good event there, and then we went uh, we went down to miami, so uh, I mean I think you had a chance to do a lot more interviews than I did. I know I was <laughs> pretty tied up, I guess would be the the term to use. <laughs> um, so uh, what was your feedback, I mean, in terms of maybe schools that, that are making an impact with these in-state Florida kids?
1: Well, you know, you got the in-state schools, and they always seem to be in the mix, so you know, that doesn't really turn my head when they get mentioned, but with this class, anyway, it really seems like you've got your Clemsons, you've got your Tennessees, uh, you've obviously got your Alabamas and your Auburns, you've got your Michigan now, and you've also got your Notre Dame, and those, I think, seemed like in uh, your Louisville. And those seemed like at least the most out-of-state schools that I heard the most from from prospects from elite prospects anyway is that group uh, seems to at least early on with this class have established something. Uh, and in the case of Michigan uh, this is new. I mean the, the trajectory for Michigan and Florida is is going the right direction man. It just seems like it seems to compound on itself. So you know we touch on what we touched on at the beginning of the podcast. You can hate Harbaugh for whatever but I think and I don't think it's things like having the event at IMG that's helping him. I think it's things like the reaction to having the event at IMG that's helping him. He is never not in the headlines down here. Uh, The fact that people get angry is what I think might be spurring this on, you know, because Michigan is at the forefront of everybody's mind all of a sudden in SEC country constantly, not because they're having a practice where they can't talk to a recruit at IMG, but because everybody is on the internet and every other news outlet clamoring about how unfair it is that they're able to have uh, an event at IMG.
0: Yeah, it's it is interesting and you know, the, the there is always a lot of talk about these out of state schools, especially in the spring. It will be it will be, be fun to watch kind of how that plays out and if these schools actually do steal the guys that, that uh you know, Florida, Florida State and Miami don't well, want because I they also often forgot, see
1: I forgot to mention your Oklahomas of the world. they also they got mentioned a lot this weekend from from Florida prospects. You know, they've got Commitment from Trajan Bandy, who's a rival two hundred and fifty uh, defensive back, and you know other guys are very high, including AJ Davis, the rival's your running back, and some other guys. I was really surprised by how often I heard Oklahoma come out of prospects' mouths.
0: Yeah, and, and Oklahoma has done a good job of uh, of peeling or of, of peeling of stealing people out of uh, the uh, Northern California area. We've seen them, you know, do a good job there. Uh, that's a long way from home, so maybe they can get into Miami too and say, hey, let's let's maybe start taking guys uh, from South Florida. Yeah, that's kind of what it seems like they're
1: doing. And, you know, we, <laughs> they I, I, I don't really know what they're pitching as far as, I mean, I guess come to the Big 12 and compete for a championship every single year, which is what Oklahoma does there. Um, but they're getting guys. They've always been able to get guys that maybe are limited on other in-state options or regional options or SEC options. But with a guy like Bandy and Davis, these are dudes that have the ability to go to a lot of successful places. In the region, closer to their homes. And I, I think they're just doing such a good job recruiting them. I know that Bob Stooks has gotten more personally involved in recruiting. I know that he's kind of led the charge with AJ Davis. I uh, may have done the same thing with Bandy. And, you know, I think there's something to be said for when your school sends the head coach. Uh, I think that has a bigger wow factor, especially on out of region guys than, than some assistant.
0: So there's sometimes there's a a big debate among people who uh, follow, you know, our camps, do these camps lead to offers? I mean, coaches will say, no, they don't. But then, you know, we'll write something and a kid will get five offers the next day. (laughs) You have to wonder, like, well, what what happened? You know what I mean? Uh, And and I don't necessarily think coaches read what we write and immediately offer the kid. But I think it's like, okay, maybe they go watch the videos that we release from the event, which, you know, are, are available uh, on our YouTube page at uh, youtube.com slash Rivals Features. I, I think they watch those and maybe they go watch the film and that's when they make the offer decision. Um, but were there some guys I guess we should kind of talk about some surprises that we saw at the at the two camps and guys we think uh, you know that we mentioned in our top performer stories, which are on the website now, that that are going to get more offers.
1: Yeah, and before we touch on that, I want to touch on something else, which you were talking about a second ago. <laughs> With I just find it funny, and it seems like once a camp series, at least in the camps I attend, there's always like a loophole that, that a coach has found. Like I don't think that I've ever gone a year without seeing a college coach at one of these events because they'll either. A get their kid in somehow, and then attend as a parent, and sit in the stands with a notepad. And I won't, uh, you know, I won't name schools here. But once a year, I've seen it, and I saw it in Orlando already on this camp series. I saw a college coach at one of these camps, and I'm not even sure he may have had a kid in there, but I'm not, I'm not positive he did. I didn't see it on the roster. I'm not going to name him.
0: He did have his son actually because I think his son might have made uh top performers so i only knew it because i had the same name so uh, if you want to do some sleuthing you can figure out which coach it was but he i actually bumped into him and uh talked to him for a little bit the, the bump rule was in full effect between me and him uh but but yeah uh his son was there and like you said the rule is if you have a, i believe you have a relative i don't even know if it has to be a, de- a dependent if you have a relative in the camp you can come attend. So it's 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 a big tool. Uh, I I was joking with somebody the other day that I would if I was a college coach I would just adopt. Uh, <laughs> some, I'd adopt a kid every year and just run him through the run him through the camps when he graduated and just adopt another one and, and so on and so forth. You know. USC a few years ago, and
1: I think I can say this now that the staff is gone. There was an assistant there that had a son that he put him in four camps in four different re- <laughs> four different regional locations and showed up at all of them. Like, well, you know, I can be here because my kid's here. So the poor kid was basically being
0: used as, like, a <laughs> like a recruiting feeler. I mean, it was really amazing. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird thing. So, so I guess we should start with, in terms of surprises... Uh, I think, you know, the, the the kid who won the MVP at the Orlando camp, William Barnes, 2018 offensive lineman from Apopka, Florida, where, uh, you know, he's following the footsteps of Martez Ivey, a five-star with a top five overall prospect, started for Florida as a true freshman this year. Um, he's, he was probably, I guess, would he be the biggest surprise of the weekend overall as well? Yeah, you know, I would assume. I mean, I didn't
1: have any idea who that guy was when he showed up and, you know, he showed up and completely dominated Um, I think in Miami another one would have been Owen Carney who just transferred from Miramar to Miami Central where he will get more exposure now because Miami Central is the powerhouse that it is but you know he was a defensive end that showed up won the defensive line MVP he has a couple offers from a couple different schools so he maybe wasn't as big a surprise as the one we got in Orlando but I think he was a pleasant surprise as well that could blow up
0: Yeah, we we generally know, you know, who a lot of the kids are, even if they're not, you know, four or five stars. We know who they are, but every once in a while, you know, I I had seen Barnes at the Army Combine. I'd seen him play a couple years ago, I guess in the 2014 season, uh, when he was backing up Ivy as a a freshman. But uh, it's always interesting to see when it comes together. I think there was a guy, Demetrius Harris, out of... Jacksonville, who did really well, was in the mix for the MVP as well. So these camps do give us an opportunity to see uh, a lot of guys and maybe you know improve the accuracy of our rankings for sure. Um, I, I think we we need to talk about Travon Grimes, the five-star wide receiver. He won the MVP at the camp down in South Florida, and really, you know, during the last rankings meeting, I, I had suggested you know whether or not he should be in the discussion for the number one overall player. Uh, that was sort of poo-pooed at the time but it seems like he might now have have made a pretty good claim
1: Yeah, now this is the second shirt event against top fight competition that he hasn't just shined at, he's completely dominated it Um, I don't, (laughs) what did he lose one rep? I saw, you know, Al Blades who won the defensive back MVP who I think very highly of, a 2018 defensive back, and went up against Grimes just kept calling him out because that's the kind of player Al Blades is, and (laughs) Grimes <laughs> just kept abusing him. And when you're beating a guy that easily, that's that good, uh, and he beat you know everybody else he went up against. I think I saw him lose two reps out of like the 20 he took. He, yeah, he, they, yeah, he lost just don't two. just a different.
0: Who was who the player who beat him in those two reps? I watched it on the video. Yeah, he was a guy.
1: And he was a South Florida Express kid. I watched it on the video too, but it's escaped my mind.
0: Oh, okay, well, anyway, um, with his, you know, Grimes is what, 6'4", 6'5"? I mean... I think personally, I can't. I can't believe that he's not a consen- He's not even a consensus five-star, right? Or I guess a unanimous five. star so he might be consensus, but I don't think so. I think of the four major recruiting services. I'll, I'll do some research while while we kind of talk about it. But how could you see this kid and not be like this is a top five player in the country?
1: Well, you know, one of them, um, one of the t- those recruiting services that you mentioned, prides itself on, you know only giving like five, five stars a year. So, you know, that, if that's your talking point is we don't give out five stars, then I guess, I mean, I guess
0: that that's the that gets punished for it or whatever. But, uh, you yeah, know, they I, were bra- I, yeah. go ahead. You know who else wasn't ranked as a five-star by anyone? Jalen Ramsey, who's about to be a, a, a slam-dunk top five pick. We were the only ones to have him ranked that high. Also, Deshaun Watson, who damn near won the national championship. <laughs> Right, so so, uh, but Grimes in my mind is a can't miss. Yeah, he doesn't appear to be a five star, at least so far. on two of the three other sites I've checked. So I mean, uh, I just can't I can't imagine anybody seeing him and not not thinking that.
1: Yeah, he's really something special. And you know, we should touch on the fact that it seems like the two front runners to land this guy are Florida and Ohio State. Uh, I think that's kind of who it's going to come down to in the end as well.
0: So, so, so he's someone one I think we're really going to talk a lot about going forward. I, I just, you know, it's a, it's definitely a man crush crush situation when it comes to him and his his talent. Uh, I think, you know, I'm trying to think of a receiver who who you know is, was that dominant. So in in recent times, I guess Ridley would be the the last one that I saw dominate events like that.
1: Yeah, you know, I I didn't see as much of Ridley because I wasn't in the region at the time. I was still on the West Coast. Uh, but, you know, I saw him at the national events anyway, and the comparison's definitely warranted, I think. I mean, I think that, you know, they are different players, obviously, different types of players, but the way that they just completely dominate other elite-level athletes, that's the way to compare them, I think.
0: So uh, we go on to, uh, you know, if you want to see any more of our content from the camp, it's on Rivals.com right now on the front page. There's all kinds of stuff everywhere. Rob and I, I guess, probably wrote about, you know, at each camp, 45 of the 180 prospects. So, about a, th- you know, that you get basically scouting reports on a, a third of the camp, pretty much, uh, maybe a little less. Yeah, not to mention stuff. all the recruiting
1: notes, which is all anybody really cares about is where these guys are going, I think.
0: Right, exactly. So, uh, another week for me, another week of uh, Demetrius Robertson drama. Yes. Now,
1: <laughs> now we've fulfilled our quota for talking about Demetrius Robinson on this podcast
0: yeah we couldn't uh yeah we couldn't go another week without without talking about him he visited Alabama over the weekend. His brother called me uh told me you know it went really well his brother's also his guardian in case you haven't been following the story. this is the only uncommitted or unsigned five star in the class of two thousand and sixteen and I really just uh i don't know what's going to happen. I thought with the way his brother was talking, <laughs> I thought it was going to be how uh, you know I had been predicting Alabama all along and then You know, the three canceled visits sort of uh, shied me away. Now uh, word comes out yesterday that he's going to visit Georgia uh, in a couple weekends here. So uh, Georgia's going to get the last official visit. He's going to take the SAT again this weekend, but I think he's kind of closed the door on Stanford. I just think the fact that he's not going to take an official visit out there or even leave that window open, that means that that he's about to decide. I think he's going to give Georgia a shot, but I guess at this point you have to think it's Alabama, right?
1: Yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, I guess the logic would dictate. So my question is, how 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 long is this going to go on for? I mean, you're right. I've said this for the last three weeks we've talked about him. He's got no choice but to rule out Stanford because the process of getting accepted to Stanford and the essay writing and the scores and all of that takes too long. I mean, he's got to – I mean, I guess he doesn't have to commit. I mean, he doesn't ever have to sign a letter of intent, but you'd think as we kind of tick down here to it's time to report to camp um, – He's got to have something set in stone, right? Like it, it, you know him better than I do, obviously, because he's a Georgia guy. I don't cover Georgia. I've interacted with him at Seven on Sevens and things of that nature. How long do you think this drags out? If I give you a deadline, let's say that will Demetrius Robinson be committed by
0: June first? Uh, June first, yes. June first, I say. <laughs> the, that would be good. May first, I think, maybe a little harder. But his, you know, his brother, his brother said more than once. You know, hey, he could just wake up and decide, and then that's when we're going to announce it. So, um, yeah, I I, personally think that's probably what's going to happen. I I just I, – I don't know. I mean, there, there's a push to get him into Georgia, you know, the, the his friends with a lot of the Georgia players. But I just think those repeated v- trips to Alabama – he's been to Alabama so many times. The fact that, that he made that a priority to get over there for another visit – uh, the fact that his brothers told me that they have, you know, he told me before they eliminated Georgia at one point. <laughs> so I don't. Part, part I, of me I'm just hopes. If this...
1: Part of me just hopes that he's just like at some point, just like screw this. I'm going to become a vending machine repairman.
0: Well, you, you know, he says he wants to run track now too, and then of course, you know, his sister, uh, who's also a track athlete and was, he told me, was enrolled at Alabama A and M. But maybe now, in Alabama. No, she's now not enrolled anywhere so uh and she, she's going to go to the same school he goes to so we have uh you know we have a little bit of a package deal we've got a little bit of uncertainty and it's just this is what's weird is it's just it hasn't seemed to to catch the attention of people you think a five star You know, uncommitted. The schools are paying attention to it that are involved, but there's not a lot of uh, national interest.
1: It'll be more of a national story when him and his sister call a joint press conference to announce that they've decided to forego college and open an Indian food restaurant.
0: Yeah, exactly. I I don't know. I've sort of, I've almost, you know, moved on from the story myself just because he's going to announce when he's going to announce, and because there's so much misinformation, even, you know, directly from the source. You know, you can't really read into anything that happens until, until it happens. So, uh, you know, I guess I'm going to predict Alabama. I don't... I don't know, man. I mean, he's he's this one has worn me out. You know, I'm, you, you try to move on from the previous class. We're only, we're a month past signing day now. I can't believe this is still going on. Really,
1: I I predicted Notre Dame at some point. I I I don't know. I I'm not going to pretend like having
0: what's going to happen with this kid anymore. Uh, I'm I'm going to stick with Indian Indian food restaurant. Well, while we're sitting here, I get a text from a coach about getting his son into the camp this weekend. So Yep, there you go.
1: I'm telling you, it's it's such a great recruiting tool for these coaches. How old is
0: your son? I don't know, nine, but can we
1: still get him in? <laughs> it's not about the right. kid
0: getting working, you know. I was thinking this, this this particular guy had a son that I felt like lingered in high school for seven or eight years before. So I was like, hey, I thought he was graduated. He like, oh, no, this is my younger son. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's move on quickly to uh, rants and recommendations. We got a short episode this week. Uh, do you want to do you want to start us off? I've got a I've got a big time rant that's sort of directed in your in your direction. So,
1: um, yeah, I can start. And you know, I, I touched on this on Twitter recently, uh, and you can follow me there, Cassidy underscore Rob, by the way. Um, you know what I'm real sick of <laughs> is having to defend my generation for no reason. Like it seems like there's so many stories out there that's become like about millennial come up and spawn like watch this millennial get eviscerated for being entitled i just don't understand when and what scientific study decided that we were the entitled generation you know like people are like your generation gets in gets participation trophies or everything you know what i never once received in my life a participation trophy so i don't know where this idea like came from or who who started this idea or when it became like a widespread thing for people online to cheer as people from my generation get eviscerated, to use a word that's too often in headlines. Um, but you know what else I can't do that my parents did? Uh, drink whiskey at work <laughs> like madmen and uh, have you know, uh, you know, know, guaranteed social security and things like that. So you know, I'm going to start shaming baby boomers, I think. I, I really am. I think I'm going to go hard after my dad uh text him constantly about how his generation lacks work ethic uh, and things of that nature.
0: Well, boy, that's a, first of all, it's the second time you said things of that nature on the podcast, so uh, mark that. <laughs> we should start a counter on that one. Number two, I don't know. I mean, I, there, there were a lot of participation trophies handed out when I was a kid. I do remember my father uh, specifically declining to pay like the $12 or whatever because – Uh, You know, whatever baseball team I was on was buying participation trophies because my dad said, you know, they didn't win anything. He doesn't deserve a trophy, Um, which I don't think went over too well with the other parents. But, uh, you know, my dad was a tough one. Okay, but even if there is a participation
1: trophy, how have we, we, like, let those trophies define the adulthood of our generation? Like, how have we just decided, because you guys got participation trophies, you're all – Soft. Like that, th- those two things do not well, seem to be like correlated to me <laughs> whatsoever. It just seems like I mean, something that old people decided to gripe about, and was like, yeah, "All right."
0: I watched a long segment on uh, Real Sports about this. I think you know they dive a little bit into to it, maybe uh, a little more. But I, I tend to lead. In, See, in why the is outside. there? Hold
1: on. Why is there a segment on Real Sports? It's because people like to watch people make fun of millennials. That's, that's why. Like, why is this a story? Well, you know, we're not about to generalize groups of people, and you shouldn't do that. But it's okay if it's millennials because they're all <laughs> right? That's That's okay.
0: I do think that, you uh, know, I mean, personally, I don't know. I, I, you know, you're talking to the wrong person because, you know, I, I think if any, if there's one word to describe Woody Womack, uh, grit. You know, it's going to be, going to be heavily in that discussion. So I grew up, uh, you know, I grew up, you know, in the middle of nowhere doing, doing a lot of weird things that a lot of people don't get to experience. So I don't know. I, I, I personally think that, you know, one of the reasons I have success is because some other people are soft and they give up too easily. So um, I, I don't necessarily generalize uh, millennials, but. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, is that a millennial thing? Because I have an uncle that's really, really
1: soft. Uh, he's not a millennial.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know what it is. Well, I I you know, everyone I went to high school with is still living in my hometown, so uh <laughs> well, Anyway, get on the yeah. internet
1: and watch people be mean to millennials if that's how you get your kicks. You All right. So, on. we know
0: everyone if, if anyone's still listening after uh <laughs> after that discussion. I have something to complain about and it's it involves you, Rob. Uh so we had the camp in Miami this weekend. Um And I guess it was was at Gulliver Prep, which is, you know, a nice facility. And there's a lot of good restaurants around that area you live nearby. And we get sandwiches from what was the name of the place?
1: Roasters and Toasters, which is, you know, technically a, a pretty famous Miami sandwich place.
0: Yeah, well, guess what? If you give me a sandwich and it doesn't have cheese on it, it's not a sandwich, okay? The, the, what what Whatever happened to che- to cheese? Cheese is an integral part of a sandwich. It should be bre- – here's the priority order of a sandwich. Bread, meat, and then cheese. If you don't have – after that, you can add whatever you want. But uh, we got three trays of sandwiches. Now, one of them had a slice of cheese on it. They all had lettuce and Tomato. Uh, what, and they were all on white bread, which is also disgusting. In defense, so, what?
1: In defense of roasters and toasters, it is a Jewish deli uh, that's busiest time is Sunday afternoon, which also happened to be the Sunday of the camp. It specializes in giant, like, pastrami sandwiches and hot sandwiches. We got it catered for 60 people, uh, so we had no choice. I think Sarah did this, our wonderful producer, um, ordered the catering tray, which is probably just, like, the easiest thing to make. Uh, that they can get in and out for 60 people because they can't take time to the brunch rush to make the real roasters and toasters hot pastramis or whatever it is that they sell there. Uh, you've been to the Jewish delis, though. You know, it specializes in things like that. Um, matzo ball soup, uh, you know, things of that nature, not giant trays. So maybe that's on me because I suggested it. Uh, but no, I was a little bit disappointed with the quality as compared to the usual roasters and toasters menu if you just go in there on a, on a regular day.
0: It's, just, it's not just that. It's, you know, I believe... Uh, well, it's not... I, I, Jimmy John's is an issue. I, I don't think. I don't think. Cheese, I think cheese is like twenty-five cents extra or fifty cents extra. Cheese should not be extra on a sandwich. I'm trying to think of the other place. Jersey Mike's. Jersey Mike's cheese is extra there too. What? Why would cheese ever be extra on a sandwich? It just doesn't make any sense. No, I agree.
1: It's you know, it's part of the entitled millennials generation. They can they can pay for everything. We need to make sandwiches great again, Woody.
0: Right. Listen. I and and, if, and that that rolls right into my recommendation, Rob. Actually, uh, I think uh, we all know that I'm a big fan of of uh, good cheese, and I would recommend Tillamook cheese from Tillamook, Oregon, available at uh, Publix. You know, they don't they, they hide it; they they keep it in the the deli cheese section, not the one you have to get over the counter, but you know where they have the soft cheeses, the fetas, uh, and those those type of things. That's where the is, Tillamook is. Your blue right. cheeses we're talking no preservatives. You look at the you look at the ingredients on this thing, you're talking, you know, milk, salt, and enzymes and that's it. So, uh, if you want a real cheese that, that that doesn't use a, you know, cow innards uh, as part of the the recipe, which most cheeses do, by the way. Check the check the label next time you're eating cheddar and see if you're eating, the, you know, cow intestines as part of it. Um, I would go with Tillamook cheese. You can find it on their website. Anyone's got any questions, get contact me directly at Rivals Woody. I will answer all cheese-related <laughs> information on become, behalf of the company.
1: Become a great crusader for cheese rights in
0: 2016. Guess what? It's better than Cabot. It's better than any other type of cheese you'll find. But uh, guess what? It's been it's been uh, exiled. If they put it on the cheese aisle, it would fly off the shelves. You can also find it at Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, uh, Kroger, and. Uh, not Win Dixie, but Win Dixie. You shouldn't go there anyway. So anyway, this country, this country, victory. this country will
1: not wage a war on cheese
0: on Woody Womack's watch. Nah, sorry. Uh, you got anything for us with, to to recommend? No, I
1: keep trying to read the Mindy Kaling book. I'm saving it for this weekend, where we'll have a flight to New Orleans for the Rivals Camp series stop in Nola. Uh, I will start it there. It's her second book. I enjoyed the first book uh, very much, so uh, the second one should be just as good. Hopefully, I'll be able to review that on a future episode of the podcast.
0: All right, that wraps it up for us. Uh, Remember to give us a review on iTunes, follow us on Twitter, uh, send us any email you might have, uh, rivalspodcast at yahoo.com, and uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. Hopefully we can uh, find some time to record in person this weekend uh, when we're down in New Orleans. Yeah,
1: maybe a live show from Bourbon Street. She's for everyone. Um.